beautiful people and welcome back to another episode of the Nursing Hand Over with your favourite gal pals, Diane and Jerry. We hope you are all doing mighty fine on this great day. How are you, Diane? Gosh, I am cold. Winter, winter has set in and we are bracing ourselves for another interesting performance from the government and whatnot. Pardon? Said so we are bracing ourselves for another interesting performance from this government. I hear you for real, for real. Let's see what happened, what's happening. So much has seemed to have happened in a week. Like I just I wanna say I can't believe it, but I'm not even shocked. It's it's like the Truman show, if anyone's seen the Truman show, it's like you're watching life happen, like they're recording, but you're in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this this will definitely be a movie in a few well, years' time, for sure. To all of you guys who said that Corona Corona is going to end 31st of December, let's hope so, innit? I'm not holding my breath, but let's hope so, because this whirlwind we're about to endure is coming thick and fast. But anyway, not to dwell on Corona, we're in the lovely October, we're in the middle of the month, and, you know, it's Black History Month, a month that we get to celebrate everything black and everything great. Oh. Yeah, so, as Gigi said, Black History Month lasts from the 1st of October right to the very end, and just an opportunity to recognise the outstanding contributions that people who are black and identify, I guess, as being a well, yeah, black person, what yeah. they've achieved, I guess, what they're spearheaded, and just to celebrate them, more or less. Yeah, I think it's something that should be implemented, not just in a month. It's something that should be celebrated all around. Like, we celebrate everyone else. Why, do, why are we only subject to a month? But anyway, that's, this is where we're at. But, you know, we can only push for further success, and we will get there. Because as you can see, there's so many amazing black people doing such amazing things, not just in the nursing world, in general. And we make such a contribution to the society that why would you not want to look at what's happened and learn from the past so that we don't repeat what's happened in history? Most definitely. Um, I think, if anything, Black History Month is a time to recognise how much power people have within them. 100%. And um, the importance of believing in yourself, even when you stand alone. Yeah. If you believe in it and you want it, you can do it and you can achieve it. Exactly. And I think a lot of the powerful and influential people at that time didn't know what an impact they were going to have now. And yeah. those are the names that we're still saying now, even though they've been gone maybe 10, 20, 30 years, but they're still such a big part of history. Yeah, and I don't think we should just be remembering them only in a month. I think they should be remembered all throughout the year because they made such a contribution, not just to the black society, but to society in general. And I think sometimes people like to forget that when they try to push everything all into one month. Yes. But anyway, I feel like this is a, a subject that we could go on talking about forever. Yeah, and I think literally. also this year... We've seen so much more happen, even with the Black Lives Matter approach. Don't worry, I'm not going to go into it because we've done that already. We can always do it again, but just not today. Um, but we've seen so much change happen this year 
And I can't lie, if it was, if we didn't have coronavirus, I don't know if we ever would have had this time to truly sit down and reflect and act act upon what has truly been happening. Do you get what I mean? No, definitely. Like I say, 2020 has been um, the beginning of a a decade, I guess, in a way of like, it's a new time to, it's been a time to reflect. Yeah. Um, A time to really see things for what they are a time mm-hmm. for people to speak up and speak out. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been a revolutionary year already. And I think it is to set the tone for what's to come for the rest of the next 10 years. Yeah, big time. Because I don't think we ever thought this was what 2020 was going to span out to be, really. And we all had our hopes and dreams of, you know, being able to do X, Y, and Z, go on holidays, do all sorts, and look what's happened. I feel like this year has really allowed us to take some time back and just reflect and plan. But we're, like you said, what's to come for the next 10 years? Mm. And also, I guess it's given focus, you know, what is really important. For sure. For sure. Well, how are you, though? How are you finding your course? How's life? I'm okay. I think it's just I just get tired because it's it's constant, it's non-stop. Yeah. Um having a good time though, learning a lot, having a lot of experiences, mm. meeting lots of really lovely families, being able to apply my knowledge from what I learned, what I, you know what I've done in NICU and bringing it over to mm. health visiting. So all in all I'd, I'd say it's good, but it's just very tiring, it's very intense. It's very, very demanding. Well, I'm glad to hear that's still going well and you're enjoying it. That's the main thing. Yes, and I know you're on the countdown. The countdown has begun. Well, not far. Before you know it, the new job would have started. The new lifestyle would have, you know, began. But no, it's been quite bittersweet in A&E. It's been very, 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 very mental health heavy. It's like those who know me know the few the last few weeks that I've had it's just been a lot and I think I don't know if there's a really a way out of it like we've had a lot of mental health in our A&E departments um which has led to an even bigger problem well which has led all of us to recognize an even bigger problem that there's nowhere near enough mental health beds for children in our communities and sometimes it's not even just down to mental health, just safeguarding wise also. There's just a lot that's gone on and trying to like manage your time. How do you manage your shifts, your team, with all the madness that's going on? But you know, at the end of the day, it's all a blessing. They're all learning curves and things you can take away and utilize pretty much everywhere. So I'm thankful for that. Very thankful for that. And also I'm very thankful for my team because we've all managed to pull through which is great because honestly there were points that none of us really knew what was going to happen but by God's grace we're here to continue telling the story. Preach, preach, preach. Mm -hmm. So I'm very thankful for that and I'm very thankful for having such a great team of people to work with because legit I don't know what I would have done without them. But no, the countdown's begun, we haven't got long left. I can't lie, I'm looking forward to the new start. I think this yeah, is one thing that I'm, 
It is. And I've had, I've been speaking to like a lot more friends, like even like a lot more nursing friends and doctor friends who've been like, you're such an amazing A&E nurse. I'm not sure this is the right move for me, but I think for now, this is what I want. And everyone who knows me knows how much I love A&E and I can't live without A&E. So I will always be back there. But I think for now, this is the change I need and like the work-life balance that is right for me. Yeah, and I think that's the main thing. Yeah. It's, it's about doing what's best for you, yeah. essentially. Big time, because I just think life's too short. And sadly, the way life is, whether we're working until we're 50, no, not until we're 50, we're, we've got like another 50 years of essentially nursing and much more in whatever people decide to go into to do. So... Yes, I've got my goals and I'm trying to reach them, but I'm trying to enjoy what I'm doing alongside that journey. Because if I don't do that, I'll never truly learn what's really out there and what's for me. But now, so I'm thankful. Looking forward to the countdown. We haven't got long left. Trust me, before you know it, you guys will already know that my new job has started. And and I'll be missing Amy, but it is what it is. But yeah. No, so we've got some juicy topics to delve into today. Yes. And where do we begin? I think just all of them mean so much with in line with everything that's currently going on. I'm totally guessing that you guys must by now be very aware of the whole track and trace system and whether it's been utilised and also it's just come out that the track and please quote me, please correct me if I'm wrong, Diane, but the track and trace consultants are making like millions yes so basically um they've kind of i think outsourced it to like a like consultancy firms yeah and their pay obviously you know it was never going to be kept Mm -hmm. quiet so they are being paid an equivalent of 1.5 million yeah to um essentially run the test and trace Wait, wait, wait. Is this one consultant or just like their whole batch in general? So they're saying individual private sector consultants. (laughs) So um, they're getting about 7,000 a day. (laughs) What? Um, So, I mean, do you know what? I don't even know. I just kind of feel like every time something to do with money... And this government comes out, it's kind of not surprising, but still shocks you that they can still go so far. Yeah. Because you're paying people this much money Mm -hmm. for a flawed system. It doesn't work. Yeah. And it doesn't work. And people are still making a huge amount of money from it. I just feel like, as we've seen with this government, and as we know about Tories, they want to they want to do what's going to benefit the rich necessarily, and the poorer get poorer, which is such, which is the same. Which is a oh, I can't get my words out. Which is a shame, but sadly, this is a society that we live in, and we just continue to see increases like pay rise increases for others whereas you know you've still got nurses you've still got nurses that are on our wage that 
isn't isn't feasible to anyone. But this is what we're deemed to expect and what, what they think we can live off. It's it's just it's just quite shocking. And and what what I don't understand is we already have a government paying out furlough. Yeah. That has to end at some point. You're paying yeah. a consultancy firm all this money. Where's this money coming from? Honestly, but then you you're ready to cancel a furlough scheme. That isn't that is pretty much saving a lot of families and a lot of people's lives right now. But again, that that's why my argument is this virus is not the biggest problem we have. It's the oh, aftermath no. of the virus because all these people that are sat at home on furlough is going to finish. And hospitality industry is about to be in the ground, so yeah. they're all going to need jobs. All these other casual work, people that drive cabs, all that kind of stuff, those people aren't be able to work and earn a normal living. So when our unemployment is very, very high, but now mental health is at a brink where it can't contain the people that need the service, what happens? What do we do? Honestly. And, you know, as we've seen on the increase, like not just talking about my own little department, but in general, mental health is on the increase. I was going to say hugely, that doesn't make sense. But anyway, guys, like, it's been a huge increase. If you look at the numbers, people, one, being essentially locked up in their homes with family, it's not the greatest. Let's be honest, if you're living at home with your family, your partner, whoever, and you're having to see them 24-7, which is more than you would usually be seeing them, because obviously you'll be at work, you'll be doing what you want. That's a lot of time with someone, whether you want to be with them or not. And the feelings that you're going to have towards them I'm not necessarily saying that, you know, they're going to be negative or anything like that, but it has an impact. So what you do on a day-to-day basis, how you want to be perceived, what you want to achieve. And it's just, it's just crazy. Absolutely crazy. Like, I'm like, I'm not shocked that they spend this amount of money, but then they'll be quick to tell us that they haven't got money for things that truly do matter. Because let's be honest, this whole tra- test and trace system, does it truly work? Well... For how long have they been rolling it out? Because, like, what? When it initially came out, they told us not to download it, not to use it, because it was still faulty. And really, truly, yeah. has anything changed? I don't think so. No. I just, I just think I can understand the thought process behind it, but when it's so inaccurate, it's not helping anything at all. And if you're paying that much money and it's not correct, then you've just been ripped off then. Big time. And it's probably our taxes that are paying for all that. Hence why we're spending so much on our taxes. (laughs) Honestly, it's it's very tiring. You're tiring. I don't even have a word for it. I'm not even shocked. It's upsetting, yes, but what can we say? What can we do? There really isn't much. I saw. But yeah, this is, this is the world that you know we have to live in and, and abide by their rules. Yeah, unfortunately so. Boy. But oh, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Feel free to not answer this because I think it's quite personal to some. Are you a user of the app? God forbid, no way. I personally just don't see the point if you're a health worker. If you're a health worker... 
or working such fields that you're going to come into contact with a lot of people. I really just don't see the point. I'll give you an example. So a colleague of my mum's apparently had this app, downloads the app, and is then told that you've come into contact with someone, you need to quarantine, you need to self-isolate. As this person is finishing isolation and is now coming back to work, is then told again, you've come into contact with somebody, you need to self-isolate. So, when will that person go to work then? Let's be honest, most places, when it comes to self-isolation, they're not paying people because they can't physically afford to. If this person now has to go off for a month, this person's still got bills to pay, still has a life to live, probably a family. So that's the thing. It's, uh, yeah, I don't have that, basically. No, I don't. Neither really do I. I, do, I just think for our no. line of work, we come into contact with so many different people. We utilise, um, like for example, public transport and stuff. And... Well, yes, you protect yourselves at all means. Don't get me wrong. But there has to be a limit. How can I now go to work and say, I'm not coming in because I now have to isolate because I've come into contact with someone. Fair enough, they don't have to disclose who who I came into contact with. But it could even be someone that just literally walked past me. Do you get what I mean? I mean, it's like if you had flu. Yeah. How many people get on the bus and they're sniffing and whatnot? You'd, and they could just have a cold or a cough whether they have got flu but you don't know for sure so why aren't we tracing everybody before I mean okay flu wasn't flu when we wasn't killing people at the rate that it is corona yeah. did in the beginning but if you look at figures and numbers flu still kills more than coronavirus at the moment oh big time big time and again another issue that we have with statistics and numbers is that a lot of it has been doctored so we don't actually know what the truth is Boy, so what do you believe in? Where do you go to to get a credible source? Boy, because I just feel like the use of the app to me is pointless. I don't want it, I'm not going to download it, I'm not going to use it. But I just, I don't know, I don't really know what's to come. I feel like they're just putting these things in place to tick boxes and say they've done them, but the true outcome of them is not really going to be of anything major. Or anything of substantial value. Because, yeah. for example, us. For example, like, you're currently doing your calls. You're probably on placement, going to see people some other, or so, or having clinics as such. And then all of a sudden, you've now got to isolate. Where do we go from there? How often, look at how often we meet people for the jobs that we do. Not even on a social tip. More work-wise, look at how many people we meet in a day. We're going to have to be told that we're going to have to isolate for ages. Every two weeks, you're going to get some notification. You have to isolate. You have to isolate. You have to isolate. What's the point? Yeah. If everyone's wearing their masks, as they should, and following the rules, it shouldn't be spreading even more than it is now. Do you get what I mean? Well, this is the problem. They say they've implemented all these things and they're saying that they work, but they don't. So that's the problem. Good boy. 
And now, look where look where we've come to. Look at how they're toying with us. And it's just difficult. I mean, so the latest thing that's been has come out now is basically um, they've been telling hospitals to be on standby mm-hmm. to reopen the Nightingale hospitals. So um, anyone that isn't aware, at the beginning of lockdown, um, the UK rushed to build hospitals because they saw China build a hospital in like a week. Yeah. So they built 10 Nightingale hospital sites all over England just to be ready because there was an anticipation that the hospitals were so overwhelmed they would have to open up more sites for them to take patients, basically. Yeah. Because um, as we were seeing, a lot of intensive care places were being filled up and there wasn't really anywhere to decant, pe- to decant people to to free up hospital beds. Right. Um, so at present, um, Northern Ireland, Manchester, Harrogate and Sunderland are the four hospitals that are preparing to reopen due to the increase in COVID cases. Yeah. Um, again, I mean, this is, uh, to me, they'd be better off making them to COVID testing centres. Honestly. I think Honestly. that would be better if you just rolled out testing centres on a global scale, like on a large scale, and just had people going there to get tested and giving them advice and aftercare and support. I think that would be utilised better. Yeah. And I think you'd find people be more receptive to go. Um, but it's important to also make the point that Nightingale hospitals were never used. Yeah. And the reason why they were never used is because the criteria to, to take patients was huge. For example, like I had a few friends that signed up to work at the Nightingale and the restrictions, as in, so they wouldn't, take multi-organ failure patients they wouldn't take patients if they've got other comorbidities and certain things like this because it's not yes it's it was deemed to be like an itu type running hospital but it's not because from what i found out it was supposed to be for example like the nursing ratios and stuff would be like one nurse to like seven patients you can't have that if you're on if that's itu do you get what i mean yeah so their, restri- their rules and regulations for accepting patients were very limited. And because of that, that just meant a lot more patients were staying in hospitals. Because in hospitals, people could manage them because you've got all the different specialities. Obviously, it depends on what type of hospital you're in. But hopefully you've got all, if not all, then some of the specialities that are needed that can be facilitated on your site. Whereas if, you, if that person has now gone to a nice and girl hospital, they have to be transferred to somewhere else which would also be like a delays in care, patient continuation. It just wouldn't work. So let's hope that, you know, if they do have to be used, utilised this time, they have an actual contingency, I can't say that word, an actual, an actual contingency plan to how this is truly going to play out. Yeah. I mean, I think my, my issue with opening up the Nightingale hospitals is one, you're frightening people because if somebody thinks my local hospital cannot look after me, they don't have enough space and they're not opening up these national Nightingale sites, then the situation is very dire all over again. So the hope people have is now dashed. That's the first thing. Number two, bringing it back to healthcare is what does that mean for staff who are in their current hospitals now? A hundred percent. Are they going to 
pandemics yeah. and redeploy people. We're now thinking of redeployment. Are we? What's going to happen? What's going to happen to community set, set, centers? Like, I just feel like the community settings are beginning to open up now. Like, I know a lot of them are still shut, but for example, like health visiting is still running, school nursing are still running. A lot of clinics are beginning to reopen because those services are needed. Uh, we can't put a halt on them again. For example, like cancer treatments were stopped, and they're still stopped. And they still stop like that can't happen because those patients need to be seen and need their treatment. Who are we to tell them that coronavirus survivors or patients require more treatment than they do? Yeah. It's just really, really, really sad because at the end of the day, yes, this is important. Yes, it's it's a public health crisis, but there are other illnesses and there are other people that are not well. Yeah, and yeah. the and the, the the big thing is forget about everything else. The big thing is you don't have staff to staff no. the Nightingale hospitals. You just don't. So what are you going to open? Well, I don't I, get from, it. From what I was told within my trust, there was, they were saying that so our mother our mothership was going to open a few more floors and move a lot of their COVID patients there so that they remain in house. How true that is, I don't know. Because, like as you said, the Nightingale hospitals are still on standby, but it just seems like a waste of time and facilities and everything else if they're not going to be utilised. And as we've seen, people that have ended up really, really, really unwell with coronavirus have had lo- have had long lasting symptoms or um, or new diagnoses or other things such as cardiac conditions and so forth that they wouldn't even be accepted to go to those 19 girl hospitals. Do you get what I mean? Mm. So I don't know. I don't know how it's all going to play out. Let's wait and see. Hopefully they have a plan and it's not ours. Let's wait and see. I just want... My only thing is they they were quick to build these hospitals and the the turnaround was great, don't get me wrong. However... Are they going to be utilised? Because for me personally, I don't want it to get to a point that it did before, that you're only seeing like 20 patients there. Or it was just used as a layover because, you know, the hospitals were full. Yeah, so, I, I think for me, my issue is it's just sat there and it's empty. Yeah. And who, whose money do you use to build this? And even exactly. as you mentioned... Who's going to staff this? Like yeah. We had a lot of volunteers the first time round, but as things have begun to ease, people have begun to get back into their normal roles. And also life is changing because it is wintertime. Who's going to staff this? Exactly. And I mean, we, 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 we still have... Yeah, I think... And the issue is we still have a lot of vacancies. In just normal nursing, doctor, health, so. health life. So, yeah, where do we go from here? Who knows? Like, I know. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes, people, like people will say that it's over our heads, but we are the people that they're going to be pushing to go and do the frontline jobs. We deserve a say. We deserve to find out what's truly happening, and what is to come. And you know, I just don't think the government are being truly honest with us. Like I get they want to protect the country X Y Z, but you know, 
sometimes it's better we know really what we're about to face. Then it just come, hit us, and we had no idea. I really hope I'm making sense. I'm not just waffling. No, you are. I, I, I understand what you're saying. I hope you guys understand what I'm saying. Like, I just feel so passionate about it because I just think, where are you going to get those nurses from? Because it's not even like we're getting international nurses anymore. Well, the problem is so many things have deterred them. Yeah. From wanting to come here, you know? Yeah. And also, would you? If you're seeing that your own home country is surviving this and you're coming here to come and work for what? Why, why would you? Like, why would you? Boy. Well, let's see how this plays out. Let's see if they actually utilise the Nightingale hospitals. Because the reason it was created, there's a good reason, but there's a good reason and rationale behind it. Let's just see if the plans can manifest to what it is that they want to see. Exactly. But hey-ho. But anyway, moving on from Track and Trace and Nightingale Hospitals, we wanted to discuss the new tier system and what that means for us within healthcare and just in general in everyday life. Yeah, so if you are, I guess, from the UK, not from the UK, um, since the ease of lockdown and the attempt to try and return back to normal around different areas in England, mainly like the northeast, Merseyside, mm. they have seen an increase in infection rates, basically. And yeah. they're saying that this is because of mixing and they have had to put people basically in local lockdowns yeah um so to try and contain it even further they have now created a tier system um ranking medium high and very high mm-hmm. and according i think to the rates of transmission in that area that is how where people are in the tier yeah essentially um so tier one tier two and tier three so london was in tier one up until i think tomorrow after midnight yeah should i just explain the tiers yeah so tier one is looks like it's at a medium level and that's pretty much where the whole of the uk has been apart from the areas that have increased to tier two tier three so the medium level still stands that we've still got the 10 p.m curfew for bars and pubs and restaurants you can have gatherings of up to of yeah gatherings of more than six people are banned apart from such settings as weddings and funerals. Um, I believe that's pretty much it for tier one, which is labelled as medium. And then you've got tier two, which is labelled as high, saying that you can't mix, that there cannot be any mixing of households indoors. And the rule of six applies to private gardens and outdoor spaces, and social distancing should be respected at all times. Um, Pubs, restaurants are to remain open but no mixing of households inside and the curfew still stands at 10 p.m and tier three which is very high where's it gone so very high so that means no mixing of households indoors and outdoors including private gardens 
pars and wow, I just merged them all together. Pubs and bars, not pars. Pubs and bars are to close. Restaurants and pubs can operate as restaurants, and then they can. Oh, so that's what I was saying. So restaurants, so pubs and bars can only operate if you're in tier three. Pubs and bars can only operate as long as they sell food. If they don't sell food, they have to be shut. Um, no wedding receptions if you're getting married with your 15 people. Local politicians can decide whether things like gyms, betting shops, casinos, hairdressers and beauty salons and stuff like that should be closed. I really hope they don't do that. Uh, non-essential shops and possibly yeah, non-essential shops to schools and universities to remain open. For people to avoid non-essential travel, which we're still being told to do. And avoid staying overnight in another part of the UK if a resident is coming from a tier three area. And lastly, people resident elsewhere should avoid staying overnight in a tier three area. Okay, that was pretty much the same thing. So those are the current tiers. And I can't lie, people, well, not people, towns and cities are increasingly going up the list. So to begin with, everywhere, prior to places that we have heard of, everywhere it was on tier one. But places, for example, like London, from midnight, as Diane said, from midnight of the 15th, of the 15th of October, we in London are going up to high. Yeah. And then places like Liverpool and up north, that there has been a huge spike in increase of numbers. They're currently sitting at very high. I know they're trying to make sure that schools, colleges and universities don't shut again. And like talking to my sister, who's a teacher, they're trying to get things in place so that if, God forbid, you know, Boris actually shuts us all down again, that they've got a plan to essentially still keep schools running. Because in that way, if children won't be off school, like even if they're physically not at school, they won't be off school during that time. But I just think there's a lot to deal with so quickly and make such adjust- adjustments. Don't you think so? I, I just think you either lock down or you don't. Yeah. You can't give people half and then the other heart like it's too confusing and that's a common reoccurring problem yeah the the messages are very confusing they're not consistent yeah they're not consistent people are going to do them wrong people are going to make mistakes and then people get worried because they've made they don't understand Mm -hmm. i'm definitely with you there i just feel like these rules and regulations even though they've been set into tears doesn't make things any easier and I totally agree with Diane. Like, if you're going to lock us down, just lock us down and do it. I feel like he's just toying with the assumption of it's going to happen. So I think, like you said to me in a private conversation, um, just dangling lockdown and stuff like this, it's just going to start people rebel. People will just begin to rebel. Because for how long can you tether on these lines that, like, oh, we might go into lockdown if you guys don't sort this stuff out? Mm. Either you do it or you don't, simple as. This in the middle, we're on the fence, want to see what happens, doesn't work. Which has proven many, like throughout this whole corona period, for example, you've seen places that have truly gone into lockdown 
like Italy, France, all over the continent, all over the world. Yes, now we're all going through second spikes, but they seem to have come out of it a lot better than we have. Yeah. So is there something that we're clearly missing or we're just not doing? I, I just don't don't, I just think it's just so mismanaged. I think that's it's mismanagement of it all. Big time. Big time. And until someone essentially grows a pair and is like, you know what, we need to either shut this down completely. We need to we need to take one of two steps. We either lock it down or we don't. And just give us the answers. Because the whole thing, like for example, like curfews and stuff, okay, yeah, it's great, you've got everyone home by ten. Who needs to be home? But who's really checking? Just because places are closed does not mean that things still aren't happening. You can still buy alcohol after 10. Corner shops. Yeah, exactly. Corner shops will be open. Like, you, you can still... People are now gathering in the streets, which really true. It's probably a lot worse than if they were inside. Because if they were inside, you know you can have only a maximum amount of people in a space. But who's going to govern the streets? What, the police? Okay. Yeah, I mean, there's not enough of them. What are you going to do? Have them on every street corner? I don't think so. I don't know. I don't know what's to come out of this. I really don't know. And if we go into another lockdown, what's really what's that really going to happen for us as healthcare? Because the same rules and regulations that were put in place when Corona first kicked off, i.e., like very strict on visitation and limited amounts of people entering hospital places and things like that are pretty much still in place but are we going to go back onto strict lockdowns that you know hospitals are providing accommodation for staff people can't go home like what are we doing yeah exactly can we afford it can we afford to do it probably not but where do we go from here if this is what they're thinking about What's the next point of call? Because don't get me wrong, a lot of people are still very scared. But, you know, we still have to come to work, still have to do what we do. But what is the plan? It's like we're just waiting for people to come out and tell our stories. Like, okay, yeah, so now we're going to do this. This is coming into play from Saturday at 4am. Do you get what I mean? Mm. I just don't know. I don't know. Coronavirus has been a weird one. It's May 2020. Again, weird, different. I just don't want the scaremongrel tactics that they're using and stuff like that. Like, they're going to lock us down. Just lock us down. Let's get over and done with. And you never know. Maybe locking us down for two weeks might truly just make the difference that we need right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, they have to find some kind of solution that's going to be as safe as possible. But yeah. I do also think this government needs to strategize how they're going to support people's mental health when this is finished because that's the biggest risk we're we're having at the moment. Big time. Big time. Like, Suicide has gone up. Before. Depression has gone up. Safeguarding is through the roof. There's a lot of things happening Even in society think- that are so bad that they're worse than this virus, much worse. Yeah. And even, like, I think for ourselves, as healthcare professionals, like, we're dealing with situations that we would wouldn't be dealing with daily yeah and like the stress it's putting on your health care as in us like not even just the physical health the mental health like we come to work and we don't know what we're going to see 
regardless of what we're in, we don't know what we're coming into, what we're about to find out. And I think it's just going to be a consistent rolling effects. Like, yes, well, me, for example, like me and you now, we're now going into community settings. You started, I'm about to join you. But that also has its own impact. Like, if things are happening acutely, they will begin to head into the community. Mm. And it also happens throughout the different sectors. But how are we protecting ourselves, our families, our colleagues, our patients, our service users? I don't know. I don't know. Boy, oh boy. Yeah, I mean, we just have to wait and see. For sure, for sure indeed. As you guys can tell, this is clearly something that's playing on my on my heart. Like I'm not don't get me wrong, like we've done the first the first batch we've we've done, not saying that it's over, but we've worked through it. But as we know, things second time round come back comes back with a vengeance. And it doesn't seem like really and truly what Boris and the gang are putting in place is really gonna do much for us. No. Also saying that, one thing I wanted to mention I think it was, was it Pretty Patel? Or someone mentioned about they want BAME people to come out and now start trying, trying out the vaccines. Oh no, honey. Oh, yeah. They talked about they need to test it to see. But the problem is, is again, you can't force people to do what they don't want to do. No, and who wants to do it? I know I don't. I don't at all. So how can I expect my patients to want to be like, yeah, I'll try it. Not at all. Boy. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be difficult. Big time. Difficult to enforce. Big time. But we don't want to do it ourselves. We don't know what's in it or what's within it or what's going to do to us. No one knows. And I can't lie, like, I'm always one for trying things, but when it comes to stuff like vaccines and medication, I'm not saying, like, I'm definitely not an anti-vaxxer or anything like that, but I just think this, with what's going on now, and this particular vaccine, I'm going to just have to step back and say, no. Yeah. And, like, everyone's entitled to their own opinion, but I just wouldn't. Like, you don't know what you're testing, who you're testing on, what what the effects are, X, Y, and Z. We don't know how long it lasts. Yeah, it's just one of those things. It's going to develop as it develops. Yeah. As long as everybody, I guess, stays safe, inform yourself in the correct way, trust a credible source. Yeah. And yeah, just, just take each day as it comes. For sure, for sure, indeed. I'm wondering, have we discussed all our topics for today? I don't know if we have. I feel like we've said we've talked a lot, actually, about <laughs> so <laughs> many things. Yeah. They've all intertwined, really. For sure. We had such a list, and now I'm just like, have we mentioned it? Yeah, I feel like, I feel like we have. I think we have, too. I think they've all kind of just merged into one. Literally. It's just such... A tricky 
difficult conversation to have not even just between us just in general because like, you can have this conversation with your friends people that are working healthcare people that don't work in healthcare everyone has their different views on it and what they want to do and what what we could potentially do that might work differently there's no right or wrong way but all we really want to do is save lives from this whatever this virus is um, yeah exactly Without forgetting, guys, look at the time of year. This is the time of year that cough, cold, this is our cough, cold season. And let's not forget that at all. So alongside having corona, you've also got that too to also keep us entertained. Indeed. Yeah. But no, so I think that's the end of our podcast for today. I feel like it's been very heavy. Sorry, guys. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. It's 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 kind of sad because everything revolves around one thing, but it's the only thing around. I guess it's the most dominant thing in society at the moment. Yeah, but no, guys, feel free to share your thoughts and your contributions with us to how you feel about the topic, because I think this is something that's going to get talking and. If we don't, if we don't have these conversations, we won't find out what truly works for people and ourselves. But yes, as always, guys, please, please, please hit us up. We've been we've been getting a few emails, so thank you to those who have been emailing us. Um, don't please email us on our nursing handover podcast at gmail.com. You can hit us up on our Instagram, which the Instagram is. The Nursing Podcast. The, whoa, why am I getting it so wrong? The Nursing Handover Podcast. And you can also hit us up privately. For me, it's at Jelly Bean with three L's and two A's. And for Diane, it's DD Looks, just DD Looks on Instagram. And we, I guess we'll be back with you next week with another episode. Hope you this. Please share with your friends, your family, whoever. I've been getting a lot of feedback from people that aren't healthcare wise. And, you know, I love you guys because. You guys are so shocked at what happens in our lives and Mate. in our careers. Yeah. Um, but yeah, keep listening, keep sharing. Honestly, we wouldn't do this without you guys. You guys are our biggest supporters. So on that note, we will see you next week with another episode. See you next week, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.